Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. If your church ceased to exist, closed its doors, didn't exist any longer, would anybody in your community even notice? And if so, how tragic would it be that a church could exist in a community for 10 years, 50 years, 120 years, and it closed its doors and nobody even noticed? Question, is there a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone? In our culture today, there are many people who know things about Jesus. They may know when he lived. They may know how he died. They may even know who he claimed to be and what he came to do. But is it possible for people to know all kinds of things about Jesus but not actually know Jesus? Following Jesus is a whole lot more than been there, done that, got the t-shirt. It's a whole lot more than a religious status on your Facebook profile. The Apostle Paul eats, sleeps, and breathes Jesus Christ. I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Well, today, Pastor Clay is taking us to Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 to see how the Apostle Paul describes what it means to know Christ. We've been walking through the book of Philippians for a number of weeks now in our series, Heartbeat. And nowhere is the Apostle Paul's heartbeat for Christ more clearly seen than in today's passage. We're glad you've joined us. Now here's Pastor Clay with this week's Crosswalk. A few years ago, I read a book entitled uh, The Church of Irresistible Influence. Uh, the premise of the book uh, kind of starts out like this. The, the author asks this question. If your church ceased to exist tomorrow, in other words, if it closed down the doors and no longer existed in your community, here's the question the author asks. If your church ceased to exist, closed its doors, didn't exist any longer, would anybody in your community even notice that you had gone out of business? It's a pretty sobering question, isn't it, for a church to ask? And then the author went on, and if so, how tragic would it be that a church could exist in a community for, uh, by the way, for us, next week is our fourth anniversary. Okay, yeah, it's all right, yeah. Yeah. Should we be happy about that? Yes, we're happy. And we're, and we're growing and we're reaching people. And next year on our fifth anniversary, it's going to be special. I don't know what are we going to do for our fifth anniversary. we going to do something special. God's going to do something special. Anyway, for our fourth year. But how, how tragic would it be for a church to exist uh, 10 years, 50 years, 120 years in its community and it closed its doors and nobody even noticed that book, there was a lot of books and there's a lot that God was doing in my life, but that book had a huge influence on, on the direction that, uh, that I felt led when we planted cross culture and, and how we were going to try and impact our community, how we were going to try and influence our community, how we were going to try and, quite honestly, be noticed by our community. That our evangelism uh, would, would consist of 
encouraging people to just listen, get excited about your church, invite people, give them invite cards, just invite people anywhere, anywhere you can, but to also begin to try and do acts of kindness in our community, to begin to reach out and say, listen, we care about you. We're in the same community that you are. We care about you. We want to demonstrate to you the love of God in a tangible way. It's one thing for, for me to stand up here or, or a TV preacher stand up there and say, Jesus loves you and, and he wants you to have a relationship with him. Um, but somehow it seems to carry more weight when we can actually show people in a tangible way what the love of Jesus Christ actually looks like. And so uh, we've tried to do that at Cross Culture Church in a lot of different ways. Some of you know that, uh, that last week we had to cancel our community movie night. We planned on doing our second annual community family flick night, an outdoor movie we rent that rented the Leesville Road Elementary School field, and we encouraged our community. We gave out thousands of, of these little movie tickets, and, uh, and, and we just told folks, just come out. Bring your blanket, bring a chair, sit down. We're providing a movie showing Monsters, Inc. Uh, it, it, it has no religious connotation to it. We're simply trying to say, we care about you, we love you, we want to do something for you, so your family can get together, you can create memories. We'll provide popcorn and Twizzlers, that sort of stuff, and, uh, and come out. Well, the r- forecast was not good, and I didn't know, you know, so you got to make a call, right? So I, I canceled it, or it turned out it was beautiful that night, I think. <laughs> turned out lovely, but uh, had to cancel it. We, but we've rescheduled it. I'm saying all that to say we've rescheduled it, and uh, this is part of just trying to say to our community, we want you to know we're here. We want you to know we care. And so uh, Family Flick Night, we have some new cards already made up. Uh, the date is somewhere on here, I'm sure. It's September 21st. There it is. Friday, September 21st is when we've scheduled it for, all right? Um, and, and so we've got some cards. We want you guys to hand them out. We're going to give you some, but we're not going to give you all of these. Now, normally I say take as many as you want. Uh, we're going to give you a couple of hundred today. Please feel free to give them out, but then we're also going to reserve some of the ones that we ordered because Public Safety Day is coming up. That's another big event that Cross Culture does uh, every year where we participate in, with a local fire department. Uh, we come alongside them, we assist them, and about a thousand people will be on the campus of Lee's Road High School in the parking lot, and we're going to be there uh, serving popcorn and bouncy house, that kind of stuff, everything else. So we're going to give a lot of them out that, that day. So uh, Public Safety Day is Saturday, September 17th? No, that wouldn't be right. What? 15th. That's what I said. Saturday, September 15th is Public Safety Day. We'd love for you to work it. We're going to need your help with it. So uh, we'll be talking to you more about that. But if you'd, if you'd set aside Saturday, September 15th, that would be fantastic. We're going to do that. And then the following Friday, so we're going to kind of jump off of that. We're going to use that day to give out all these cards. And then the following Friday will be Family Flick Night. And, uh, and we hope to have a great turnout for that as well. Uh, so we want our community to know us, right? Let me tell you another way. I'm on a roll. Another way that y'all can give of your time and give of your money and all that kind of thing. Uh, I saw on the door, and this is something I just saw this morning coming in, out on the door was an advertisement for um, uh, school supplies, uh, that, for kids that are in need of school supplies here at the high school. Um, and uh, they're having a drive right now, and they're asking for uh, backpacks, uh, college-ruled notebook paper, a USB flash drive, um, uh, pens and pencils, highlighters, three-ring binders, spiral notebooks, 
And you can get more info in crosswords about that. But, but their, their drive, uh, I think, winds up this Friday, September 7th. And I saw this morning and I thought, listen, how awesome would it be if uh, Dave Helfrick, our student pastor, walked in the, the, the high school this coming Friday with, with 20 backpacks prepared for kids from us that, that gave. You know, and just walked in, say, we're this from Cross Culture Church. We just wanted to do this for y'all. Uh, wouldn't that be awesome? How many of y'all, if you think that would be awesome, raise your hand if you think that would be awesome. All right, thank you all for volunteering to prepare a backpack. <laughs> we need to have those. All right, so here's what you do. Uh, I know we're, we're a mobile church and we don't, you know, we don't have like a regular schedule like a lot of people do. So um, we need to collect those between now and this Friday. So I'll tell you what, uh, if you can get it, if you, if you say, you know what, I can put one of those together. Or I can at least get part of that stuff or whatever. By the way, the backpack, they specifically said uh, no, ro- no wheels on the backpacks. So don't get backpacks with wheels if you get a backpack. But if you can put one of those together, if you will contact really any of our staff, but if you contact Coral, if you contact me, if you contact Dave, Bill, uh, anybody, we will find a way to hook up with you and get your backpack. All right? W- would you do that? That's, w- we'll make that commitment. We'll find a way to link up and, uh, and that sort of thing. And I, don't, I, I just don't know how else to do it because I just saw it on the sign on the door today and I thought, let's do this. Um, we want them to know we're here. We want them to know we care, right? Isn't that the point? So if you can do that, if you can take advantage of that, um, just see Jenna. I think she's got the flyer back there. She can tell you uh, more about it if you have any questions. And then you let us know. You contact us. We'll find a way to get that backpack out of your hands, and we'll take it to the high school. And we just think they'll be uh, blown away uh, by that. And so, and, we're, and there's lots of other ways that we're looking to minister in the high school. By the way... Um, some of you have been part of Cross Culture for a while. You know that we have, for the last about three years, done this thing each year that we call Adopt a Teacher here at the high school. We're not doing that this year, okay? Let me tell you why. Number one, um, we just, last year we really got inundated with an increase in number of teachers that wanted us to come alongside them and adopt them, which is great, but, uh, but it was becoming very difficult uh, because we had some people that were having to take on two and three teachers uh, in the course of, of the year. Uh, plus, we just thought, you know, let's just do something different. Let's try something different this year. So throughout the course of the year, we're going to do some things for the teachers. We might stock their, their snack room so that there's stuff in there when they come in, or we might provide a breakfast for them or something. So we're going to find some other ways to minister to them, but we're not going to necessarily do the Adopt-A-Teacher program this year. So you can do things like the backpack or, or whatever else. So, uh, folks, we really appreciate your help with this. It's important that people understand that there is a church in this community, and I'm not, I'm not dissing other churches. There are probably other great churches in the community, but there's a church in this community that wants to know them and wants them to know us, and, and, and we want to actually minister to them. Right? Can we put that list up one more time? Because Miss Betty wants it up there. And, and me and Floyd have learned. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, like I said, Jenna also has the flyer. And you can see her about that as well. Now, and speaking of knowing... If you brought a copy of God's Word, you can open it to the book of Philippians. That's where we've been now for a couple of months in the series called Heartbeat. We're discussing what is the heartbeat of our lives. And we're in Philippians chapter 3. We're just looking at two verses today. But speaking of knowing, the text is up on the screen as well, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Thank you so much for being here today. I know I'm jumping into the middle of it, but, but we'll get there. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. 
the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, and he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Watch this. In order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. The big picture biblical principle for those two verses, in in my opinion, as I study it and as I look at it, to to condense it into one sentence, the BP, what we call the BP squared around here, the big picture biblical principle looks like this. Knowing Jesus Christ means a lot more than knowing about Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus Christ means a lot more than knowing about Jesus Christ. I've already said throughout this series that I believe that, that the letter to the church in Philippi, this book of Philippians, I believe, in my opinion, it is Paul's most personal letter. It, it, and by that, I mean it's, it's the letter where Paul seems to most uh, fervently reveal his own heart. Now, he's, he's passionate throughout all of his letters, and he reveals his heart in other letters, but none more so, in my opinion, than in the book of Philippians, where Paul talks so much about, about what is his heartbeat, and what is his passion, and what drives his life. And without question, for the apostle Paul, that was Jesus Christ. There's no question, as far as Paul is concerned, that, that Christianity, following Jesus, is a whole lot more than, than been there, done there, done that, got the t-shirt. It's a whole lot more than a, a religious status on your Facebook profile. The Apostle Paul eats, sleeps, and breathes Jesus Christ. He's already said, we looked at this last week, but he's already said in verse 8, more than that, I count all things. All things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of, say it, knowing Christ. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And we looked at that word rubbish, it just just means garbage. Without question. For Paul, this is the driving passion of his life. This is his heartbeat. He says, it's all garbage. All the rest of it, as far as I'm concerned, everything I accomplished before, everything I did, whatever my life was before I came to Christ, it's all, it's all garbage. He eats, sleeps, and breathes this stuff. So, here's a question. Was the Apostle Paul a radical? That's the question. I want to spend just a few moments and we're going to jump uh, more clearly into the text. In other words... Paul's understanding of Christianity and following Jesus, was that a radical view? Now, there's no question from from the perspective of the American church, there's no question that Paul was a radical. That compared to the average church member in America, and I'm, I'm not picking on anybody, but compared to the average church member in America... The Apostle Paul's understanding of what it meant to follow Jesus Christ was radical. It was off the scale compared to the average church member's understanding of what it meant to follow Jesus. But, here's the question that I probably should say, carry it a little bit farther. Was the Apostle Paul a radical as far as God is concerned? From God's perspective... 
From the church, from American church's perspective, absolutely. Maybe from mine and yours perspective, we might say, oh yeah, that guy was, he was, he was, he was off the hook. He was crazy. Uh, he was way out there in his devotion to Jesus. But the question, and I think this is where the question needs to come from, is from God's perspective, was Paul a radical? Because, uh, listen, quite honestly, what you and I think about what Christianity or following Jesus is supposed to look like, what our culture may think following Jesus is supposed to look like, what you and I think is irrelevant. If there is, man, I'm glad that guy came from Indiana today. (laughs) If there is, listen, if there is a God and he is the God revealed in this Bible, and by the way, I'm, I'm not asking that as if I don't think it's true, If there is a God and he is the God revealed in this Bible, then what you and I think about what it takes to follow Jesus is actually irrelevant. It only ultimately matters what he thinks. Oh, step on some toes here. By the way, that would apply to every area of our life. Not just, you know, okay, how do you define a Christian? It would apply to every area of our life. Let's say, for instance, uh, a couple that says... Well, I, 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 we're going to live together before we get married. Uh, it's, it makes sense. Seems like it's, that'd be a smart way to get to know each other. Almost everybody does it nowadays. And so we're going to live together uh, before we get married. Kind of try it out kind of thing, you know. Um, the, the question that they need to be asking is, does God think that we should live together prior to a covenant marriage relationship? It's God's perspective that really matters. By the way, I understand that, that statistically speaking, there's a high probability that, that there could be a couple in here who are living together or who did live together before they got married or uh, young adults who are considering that as an option uh, in, in some uh, future relationship. Believe me when I tell you, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus. I'm trying to keep you from getting run over by the bus, ladies and gentlemen. Because listen to me, this is a little deal I came up with. Here's the deal. When, when our decisions conflict with God's direction, there's going to be difficulty in our lives. Now, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, and I can tell you that from personal experience. Because there are many times when my decisions have, have conflicted with God's direction and, and it's gotten me in trouble in my life. I've, I've gone in wrong directions. And, I, and many of you know my testimony. I've been as far from God as anybody could be. But when our decisions conflict with God's direction, you can just count on the fact that there's going to be difficulty in your life. And listen, I, I, I just, oh, oh, oh. And by the way, if you are considering living together before or you are currently, by the way, do you know, statistically speaking, the divorce rate is higher among couples that live together before they get married than couples that don't? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, God seems to know what he's doing when he, when he draws these parameters and, sa- and says, do it this way. Don't do it this way. Do it this way. And, and on, and on, on and on we go. All the, you know, whether you're talking about you know, you know, sexual preferences or, or our finances or the movies we watch or the things that we talk about or on and on we could go. It only really matters from God's perspective. What you and I think is irrelevant. If there is a God... And he is the God revealed on these pages. So I come back to the question, was the Apostle Paul a radical in his idea of following Jesus? And the answer comes back from the pages of God's word, undeniably, unquestionably, clear as a bell, no. The Apostle Paul was not a radical from God's perspective. He was, in fact, 
the kind of follower of Jesus that God expects every follower of Jesus to be. Now, it doesn't mean he wants that everybody has to uh, go to the other side of the earth or make you know, three missionary journeys like Paul. I, I mean, you may, but I'm just saying the way, what, he, what he has for us may be different. But the, but the understanding, the, the, the idea of being radically sold out to the cause of Christ for it to be, be your heartbeat is from God's perspective. Paul's not a radical Christian. Paul's a real Christian. Okay, all right, let's see. So, so, it might be good to know then, all right, what does Paul mean when he says that I may know Christ? If Paul's, you know, if, if he's a good model to look at, and Paul wasn't perfect, and, you know, but if Paul's a good model to look at, when Paul says that I may know him, what does that mean? Well, as we already said in the BP squared, it means a lot more than just knowing about Jesus. So, here we go. Know him. First, it's personal. It's personal. Um, many of you are aware that, that the New Testament was, when it was originally penned 2,000 years ago, was written in the language of Greek. No, the, the word no uh, in the original language means this. Let's get a fuller understanding when we just say to know him. To know, to recognize, to know personally. Watch this. To know personally through experience. To appropriate The word often implies a personal relationship between the knower and the known, involving the influence of the object of knowledge upon the knower. I've told people for years, and I'm sure people look look at me like, what? But I've told people for years, Christianity is not a religion. It's not. I mean, it's really not. I know it is to most of the world, one religion among many, but Christianity is really not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. I keep telling people that. It's a relationship. It's something very personal. It's something very intimate between me and God that is made possible because of what God did for me, not because I can somehow, you know, become God's buddy or anything. But because of what Christ did for me, I can have this relationship with him. That's the whole point. It's always been the point. God has chosen to have a relationship with us, and that relationship is personal. It's not just, you know, I, I, I pick any religion in the world, and any adherent of that religion can tell you about their God. They, they can tell you about, you know, where they, you know, may have supposedly come from, or they can tell you what their jurisdiction uh, or realm is over. They can tell you uh, what their power is or, or is not. They can tell you um, uh, what the, their religion's... God's expectations are for their life. They can tell you things about their God. They know things about their God. Christianity can do that as well. And by the way, we should be able to. We should be able to expound or tell doctrinal truths about our God so that people understand, okay, well, what's the difference between your God and this God? Well, uh, the Bible teaches that that the God I believe in is. So there are doctrinal truths that we should be able to say uh, to them, but you and I, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, have the opportunity to do far more than that, to not just know about our God, but to know Him, to, to, to talk with Him personally, to hear Him speak into our lives. I know that's kind of a different thing, and I don't necessarily mean that it's, that it's audible, but I mean to have this ongoing, intimate, personal relationship with God. Billy Graham one time 
uh, got in this conversation. I think it was a news reporter was kind of, you know, ragging him about, you know, God. Oh, you believe in God and all that kind of stuff. And he said something about, how do you know God is real? Or whatever it was he said. And Billy Graham said, well, I know God is real. And the guy said, well, how do you know God is real? And Billy said, I talked to him this morning. It's that idea of being able to have this personal, intimate relationship with God. Marriage. Marriage. I'm, I'm pro-marriage. One of the great things about marriage is that is that you have this opportunity to know your spouse in a way that is personal, that is intimate. They get to know you and you get to know them. You get to share the good and the bad and the ugly. You get to share the highs and the lows. You go through those things together. You experience them together. And throughout that process, this, this relationship that you have grows deeper and deeper and deeper. Has anybody in here been, been married long enough to, to really know what I'm talking about? I, we're at 34, 46, okay? And, and, and that's, it, just, it just gets more and more and more intimate and personal, or it certainly should. To be able to share your life physically, emotionally, and spiritually in every way with this other person and know them like you know no other person on the face of the earth and they know you that way. It's interesting in the Bible. Did you know this? In the Bible, some, uh, many times, actually, several times, uh, the church in the Bible is referred to as the bride of Christ. And Jesus Christ is referred to as the bridegroom. And so our physical, earthly marriages should actually reflect the type of relationship that we have with Jesus Christ as our bridegroom, as, as we, the church, the body of believers, have this intimate, personal ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's personal. And I, listen, let me ask you this. Uh, boy, I got to hurry. Um, have y'all ever met one of these, uh, somebody that you might refer to as a super fan? You know what I'm talking about? Super fan? Uh, it might be of a, of, a, of, a, of a professional athlete. It might be of a movie star or a, a singer or something like that. Are any of y'all super fans? <laughs> Anyone going to admit to being a super fan? Okay, but you know what I'm saying? There's somebody that you... I mean, you, could, you can tell somebody everything about them, right? I mean, you can give them the stats. You can give them, you know, uh, the number of awards they've won or the movies they've appeared in or the number of songs that have gone to number one. Uh, I mean, you can name, the, the super fan can name all of that stuff. And the super fan, in the day and age in which we live in, they can, some of the stuff they can tell you is kind of scary. I mean, they can tell you where they had lunch this morning or lunch this afternoon or, or where they took their last vacation. Sometimes they can even tell you like addresses and phone numbers of the movie star or, or whoever the person is. A little scary, but, but they, can, they can do all that, that kind of stuff. Oftentimes, super fan might have an autographed picture of the, of the person that, that they're a fan of. Maybe sometimes even a, a picture with them and, and the person that they're Good, right? But nobody, nobody thinks that that super fan actually knows the person that they're a fan of, right? Nobody would, everybody knows they know about them, but they don't know them. All right, let me ask you this real quickly, then we're going to move on to the other ones. When you look at your relationship, if you're here and you say, I know Jesus Christ, my personal Savior. I'm a follower of Christ. When you look at your relationship with Jesus Christ, would you say that it looks more like a religion or more like a relationship? Now, I wish we had time. If we had time, I would just stop and we would be silent for five minutes. I'd make you all just ponder that question. To really think, do I look, does mine look that way with God? Is it that personal? Is it that intimate? Is it that ongoing? Or is it really more about what I know about God? Is it really more about a religion? 
I don't know where you are and all that. But I'm saying if you look at your life and you say, you know what, honestly, what I have with God looks a little more like religion than it does relationship. It looks a little more like not what the apostle, the apostle Paul had. That's okay. If you come to that place and, and, and you're honest and you say, that, I really think that's, that's where I am, then, then the question you need to ask yourself is, what do I need to do to get there? What do I need to do to move from a religion to a relationship? How can I know God personally if I don't, or know him more intimately or more personally? Know him. It's personal. Okay? Let's give you another one. Know him. It's powerful. Uh, in verse uh, 10, uh, first part of verse 10, Paul says that I may know him, intimate, personal, connected relationship. Here it is. And the power of his resurrection. People don't die and stay dead in the grave for three days and come back to life very often. There is no power. There is no strength. There is no energy left in a body that has been in the ground for three days dead. It takes a supernatural, it takes a miraculous power to raise that body up, to have that person come back to life. It is supernatural power. It is the power of the resurrection. It is the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And the Apostle Paul says, I don't know about you guys, I don't know what y'all thinking, but I need that kind of power in my life. I need that operating in my life. Life is a mess. Life is hard. Life is stressful. Life is busy. Life is hard. Life is all of those kind of things. I need power in my life. And I don't know about you, but I have discovered that in my physical body, power is running out, man. I don't, I don't have as much as I used to have. And I need something else in my life to keep me going and pushing at this thing and pushing at this thing, this idea of following Christ and being obedient to him and living this life that God has called me to. It's the power of the resurrection that's available in our lives. And I'm just afraid people don't tap into it enough. I was, uh, a number of years ago, I was in Kenya. And, um, oh boy, I really don't have time to tell this story. Um, I'm glad y'all are okay with staying a little late. Uh, but I, I, was, uh, I was in Kenya a few years ago. And uh, it's, it's, I'll cut it. Abbreviated version. We were, the, the night before the next day, <laughs> we were, uh, uh, the, the, the United States Embassy had issued, uh, right, the United States Embassy had wish, issued a warning saying Americans should not be on the streets in Nairobi uh, the next day. There was, there, there was expected political uprising a type of thing was going on. And if any Americans were in the country, stay wherever you are. Don't go outside uh, the next day. Guess what we did? We went outside. We went, we went out to look. We were, they were taking us to a national park. We had finished up the work we were doing, and we were flying out the, next, the following day. And so they're going to, a little R&R kind of day, going to take us to Nairobi National Park, and it's awesome and fantastic and all that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, not, don't go anywhere near Nairobi. Thus says the U.S. Embassy. <laughs> so so um, our leader, Dr. Idle from the seminary at the time, said, oh, don't worry. You know, drivers, they know their way around. Well, you, we will go all the way around. We won't go anywhere near Nairobi. Wrong. We turn a corner. We are in downtown Nairobi, right? Just as the riot police drive up and are jumping out of their armored vehicles, right? Listen, I can't, I, I wish I could describe this scene to you. I couldn't make it up. Uh, it, but all I can tell you is when I sit, uh, the seat I was sitting in the van, I could see our driver's eyes. And when those, his eyes got about that big, I thought, 
Woo! <laughs> this is serious. We are driving through the streets. There's cars like, you know, just here, there. There's people scrambling around everywhere. Rocks are flying. Tear gas is flying. We're flying. The driver's steering. And the band is like, all over the place. And um, <laughs> there's so much I can tell about that. But here's, here's the point. I, I'm absolutely convinced that the power of God surrounded that van to that day in such a way that we managed to not get killed. Because as best I can remember, not a single rock, and I'm going to tell you, it's just, and stones and bottles and, and tear gas, and not a single person, anybody, hit that van as it flew through. We flew there and driving and swerving and all this kind of stuff. I'm absolutely convinced that the power of God oversaw that situation that day and protected us from what, and, and a number of people were killed that day, were, uh, died. Um, so I'm, I'm just saying to you, this, this stuff is real that's available to us. Let's bring it home in a personal way. Listen, do you need power in your life? Do you have a, a job situation, a financial situation that's stressful? Do you have a, a, a marriage that is in crisis? Do you have uh, a trouble with your in-laws, trouble with your outlaws, trouble with your ex-laws, what, whoever it is? Do you, do you have struggles in that way? Are your kids giving you a fit? Are, are they fit, physical? I'm telling you, it's the power of the resurrection. Paul says, I need that power in my life. I want that power in my life. It is powerful. And you need to tap in. By the way, it's another question to ask yourself real quickly. On a daily basis, I know we don't always get it right. I know, you know, sometimes we, whatever. But on a daily basis, do you sense the power of God operating in your life? Because you should. In, in, in the events of your life, in the way you interact with people, in, in situations and circumstances. I, I know it's not always as clear, it's not always as dramatic as, you know, maybe that story I told or something like that. But do you sense that the power of God is working in your life? If not, let's ask ourselves, God, am I, am I somewhere in this relationship with you? And when Paul says that I may know him. It's personal, but, but, but he says, he talks about this power and the power of the resurrection. I want that in my life. And God, if there's something in my life that I'm missing or something I'm not seeing or something, would you help me understand what that is so that I might experience the power of God in my life to have victory in the, in the situations of my, of my life? So know him. It's personal. It's powerful. Third, it's painful. Uh, let's see if we get as many amens for the painful part as the powerful part um, in uh, verse uh, 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Now, this is the part we don't want to talk about, right? Or certainly, at least, certainly not in front of people. I mean, they might not want to become a follower of Jesus. If they find out that there's some suffering involved in this. Can I say, shame on any church that does not, that tries to withhold the truth that following Christ comes with a cost. It does. It, it, just, it just does. Now listen to me. It's very clear. Eyes focused. Ears open. This is very important that you hear this. Salvation is absolutely a free gift purchased by Christ on the cross. There's nothing you and I could ever do to earn it. No amount of suffering, no amount of giving money, no amount of anything else could ever earn me salvation. It's the absolute free gift of God. But that does not mean that following Christ doesn't come without a cost in this world. It, 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 just, it just does. Listen, it's been a while since we read this, but can I just remind you, and for some of you, maybe the very first time, can I just remind you of what it cost Paul to follow Jesus? 2 Corinthians 
far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times I was shipwrecked. Jeez. (laughs) A day and a night I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among the false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, apart from such external things. Besides all that, he says, there's the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Well, there's a great recruiting speech for getting new Christians in it. Come on, sign up for this. Who wants that, right? Just a radical, I guess. Just somebody that sold out for the cause of Christ. No, there is a cost. And we can't just say, because if I live for Christ in a world that's not, there's going to be conflict. Jesus said, said as much. John chapter 15, remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Are you shocked about this? Um, And then Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, we may never get stoned or, you know, beaten. I I don't know. It depends. But here in America, we may not. But but if you, I'm telling you, if you live for Christ, you've got got Satan who's sure not happy with it. You've got the world that doesn't, want to go along with it. You got your own flesh that wants to pull you away from the things of God. So it's just to understand. It's a lot more to say about that, folks, but, but you just need to understand that, there, that, that there's a cost, that, that sometimes it's painful. But can I tell you this, and then we'll move on, we'll close it up. In that pain, in conforming to Christ's death, God is shaping us into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. It's through the suffering, it's through the heartache, it's through the pain at times that comes that God is actually making us the person that He desires for us to be. Okay, all right, all right, one more. Uh, it's personal, it's powerful, it's painful. It is perfect. It's perfect. Verse 11. In order that, it says, I, I want to know Him, the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of suffering, being conformed of to His death... In order that, or so that, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, perfect, uh, I use the word perfect, and that's a word Paul's going to pick up in verse 12. And we'll look at that next time uh, when we get there. But in in this sense, perfect, uh, in this context, perfect has the idea of complete or finished. That I may attain, here's why I'm going through, here's why all this is going to be worth it. That I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, when Paul says attain, he's not saying that I may get it or I may purchase it or that, you know, I'm still trying, hoping I'm going to have it. No, the the word attain means arrive at. That I may arrive at the resurrection from the dead. Here's, this is, this is it, Paul says this, all this, everything I go through, all the struggles and whatever is going to end in the resurrection. No matter what happens to me, shipwrecked. Stone three times, bring on number four. Beaten times without number. Now listen, I'm being a little facetious. I don't mean to say that Paul enjoyed any bit of that. I'm just saying Paul understands. It's the resurrection. There's no, what are they going to do? Kill me? They can't keep me killed. That's not good English, but 
They can't keep me killed. I'm going to come back to life. I'm going to be resurrected. Why? He already mentioned it. The power of the resurrection, the same power that raised Jesus Christ bodily from the dead is the same power that's going to raise me from the dead. So that's why Paul could write earlier in Philippians. You here, you may remember that we looked at that verse earlier in Philippians in chapter 2. My life is being poured out as a part of the sacrifice and service I offer to God for your faith. Yet I'm filled with joy and I share that joy with all of you. If I die for my faith in Jesus Christ, even if it means you coming to faith in Jesus Christ, I'm happy to do that. I don't care. I'm living again. And it's going to be perfect. It's going to be complete. I'm going to arrive at that place where it's forever. I, uh, uh, again, I mentioned last week a little about my, you know, episode uh, last week where I passed out and all that kind of stuff. I just want to say real quickly, again, thank you, all of you continue to express your concerns and prayers and all that kind of stuff. And, and I want you to know, I feel, I, I really have felt the worst uh, for my wife, for Cindy. I felt bad uh, because I, I really did scare her to death because she thought I was dead. She, when she got the door open that far and I was laying there and my eyes are open and fixed and I'm not breathing. And she truly thought I'd just had tried to get to her and had a massive heart attack and, and fallen dead. And I know it's scary to her. The scary part for me was when she said, if you ever do that again, I'll kill you. <laughs> but I, I, so I, I, know, I, know was, I, was, I know it's scary for her. But listen, here's what I want to say. I, I've had several people say to me since then, boy, I, and they said, you know, I know that's very scary. For I know that must have been very scary for you. Nah. I mean, I, and, I, and I'm not, folks, I'm not bragging. I'm not boasting myself and saying, oh, yeah, look, I'm just telling you, I, I never gave it a thought. I, I'm okay. I truly, you know, I love you. Got, uh, travel, I love my kids, love my grandkids, love being here. But I'm, I'm okay at any moment when Jesus says, here we go. I mean, I, mean, I, I really, I just, I just am. I'm, I'm okay with that. And I think that's part of why I can... I can keep doing this. I can, I can keep going. Because it just, it's like, not that I'm trying to compare myself to the Apostle Paul or anything, but, but folks, I'm just a dead man walking. If you know Christ, you're just a dead man or dead woman walking. You're, you're, just, you're just living this life for however long it is, either for yourself or for Christ. And if you know Christ, it's for the resurrection. That's what's ahead of you. I, uh, when I was in the ER room, um, I had my eyes closed. I, you know, I had a bit of a headache. And, um, and I started smiling all of a sudden. And uh, well, with my eyes closed, and Cindy's in there, and she said, what do you smile about? And I didn't want, I didn't want to tell her. <laughs> but I just, this thought came into my mind uh, that I was going to, and I said, and so I finally told her, I said, well, uh, I was going to tell you later that, um, that I saw this bright light, and I was going, and I was going to this light, but then, I, but then I heard you say, come back, come back. And so I, <laughs> to know him means you understand that there is a resurrection coming someday. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, ladies and gentlemen, no matter what you have to go through in this life, no matter what you have to endure, and I can't even begin to tell you what's around the corner, but no matter what happens, you've got a resurrection reservation. And as Forrest Gump says, that's all I got to say about that. What a great reminder from the pages of God's Word of the importance of understanding what it really means to know Christ. As Pastor Clay explained in today's message, it's certainly more than knowledge about Him. Knowing Christ goes much deeper than that. Maybe today's message got you thinking about your relationship with God. Would you describe what you have as more like a religion or more like a relationship? 
God certainly desires something with you that is much more intimate, much more personal than what a religion has to offer. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540 Exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.